0: Hi, I'm Giancarlo Esposito, and I'm here to introduce you to my new series, Parish. My character, Gray Parish, was a getaway driver. I'm retired from a life, you know that. He's in a world over his head. Tell me about this driver job. And he's asked to start to figure things out. I did what you told me to. He will try to do what's right and seek justice. Parish, all new Sundays at 9 on AMC and stream on AMC+. I'm Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Here's the Thing. Saturday's arrest of billionaire Jeffrey Epstein at Teterboro Airport got me thinking again about journalist Julie Brown.
2: I was stunned. I'm I'm still, I think, in shock.
0: When news outlets say that the arrest might never have happened if it weren't for the work of the Miami Herald, it's Brown's work they're talking about. In three explosive articles, Julie Brown tracked how in 2008 the U.S. Justice Department shut down an FBI investigation that may have been on the verge of discovering the full extent of a child sex trafficking operation run by billionaire Jeffrey Epstein. That's after giving him a sweetheart plea deal on the crimes that had been uncovered. The U.S. attorney in charge of the case was none other than Alex Acosta, now the United States Secretary of Labor under Donald Trump. A couple of months ago, Julie and I sat down in front of a live audience at WNYC's Green Space to talk about her Epstein reporting and what drove her to pursue the story. Thank you so much for coming. Um, You first started reporting on this case when?
2: Um, A year and a half ago, but I knew about the case for a long time.
0: And you got involved in the case. Why?
2: Because I uh, I did a lot of human rights reporting for the Miami Herald. I covered the prisons, and I knew that Florida was one of the states that had a huge sex trafficking problem. And I always... Uh, everything that I read was uh, they were going after little cases, but I knew that there were some big fish, so to speak, in Florida that were probably behind sex trafficking. You knew traffic. that how? I just, <laughs> you know, it's 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 just reasonable to think that there are uh, uh, this it's a big money-making operation it's it's all over the country all over the world really human trafficking and sex trafficking there really was nobody pursuing this at all except for lawyers and that was one of the other things that intrigued me about this case you know you would read about it and then you say well, you know how does this happen and why isn't anybody standing up yelling and screaming
0: But the case had been ongoing for quite a while before you got involved.
2: Well, it actually had quieted down. I I compare what I did in this case to what a cold case detective does. Let's say you have someone who disappeared. And the detectives come in and they find a suspect, but they can't prove it. And then they put it all away in a box. And then somebody comes along who maybe just got hired by the police department. And they just decide that they're going to... uh, hey, I'm going to take a look at this. And when time goes by, I know this also from other stories I've covered, other people come out of the woodwork or there might be people that didn't want to talk when it happened. We're afraid for one reason or another and time has gone by. Or Or incensed. Yeah, or incensed. what happened, how he went to prison for 13, to jail for 13 months. And 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 these girls were, at the time, you know, 13, 14, 15 years old. Now they're in their early 30s. Uh, Actually, what really launched the piece was when Alexander Acosta, who was the prosecutor, the federal prosecutor in Miami who handled this case, got nominated by President Trump to be Labor Secretary. I thought, I knew about the case and I thought, well, let's see what happens. Which involves,
0: to some degree, uh, prosecuting human trafficking
3: in the Labor
2: Department. I mean, it was really the the most, the biggest scandal of his career because he gave, uh, he really let him almost walk away. Uh, from this crime, and not only walk away from it, but they they covered it up. They they really li- uh, made sure that no one really knew the, know the scope of of this crime.
0: Now, for those people who don't know, a lot of the details of the case. I want to start with that, which is describe for people who is Epstein and what was he charged with, and what was the eventual outcome of the prosecution that. Uh, Acosta oversaw.
2: Right. Well, he was a billionaire financier, and he had a hedge fund He had a hedge fund and he dabbled in a lot of other financing things like at one point he wanted to uh, take over Pan Am Airlines. There was a lot of different projects that he invested money in and, and he made a lot obviously made a lot of money. He owned uh, two jets and he owned homes in New Mexico, the largest single residence here in Manhattan, uh, home in Palm Beach, home in um, Paris. Uh, so he was extremely wealthy. Very smart. You know, he, he was a mathematician and Nobel Prize-winning scientists were in his circle. He grew up so, where? In New York? He grew up in New York. He didn't finish college, but he ended up getting a job at the Dalton School uh, teaching mathematics. Mm-hmm. And there, through the students' parents, he ended up working for Bear Stearns. Bear Stearns. And he sort of left under mysterious circumstances there um, and then opened his own, um, you know, financial firm.
0: And uh, during the course of the trial, was it, uh, did it become, uh, uh, was it exposed or was it revealed how long he'd been doing this activity with young girls? No. Was it assumed he'd been doing this ongoing for some period of time? Yes, and he
2: had people helping him. Right. Uh, It was very organized.
0: Right. Describe the operation. We're in Palm Beach. She's got a big house there.
2: It was like something, if you saw a movie about it, you would think, oh yeah, right, this is really going to happen, but it's exactly what he did. he had, uh, a lot of money and he had a lot of people around him and what he, ins- he he liked massages so what he would do is he had people go out to various areas Malls. like well initially it was like spas like in fact one of the women that he uh, recruited was from Mar-a-Lago which is right around the corner from his home uh, in Palm Beach and once he got his hold on of a couple of the girls what he would say to them is, you bring me a couple more girls, and I'll give you the same amount of
0: money. So right. he would
2: be paying them. So they were
0: paid for services. Yes, from massages. for massages. For and massages, then, and then they were paid as recruiters to bring in more people.
2: Right, and the recruiters would recruit more, and it just went on and like on. A pyramid. Right. And it's it kept like growing and growing until it yep. got to
0: be, by your estimation, how many young women were coming in and out of that house over time? I mean, it, it had Hundreds? to be over 100. at over least. 100. At least, And they yeah. got them at, like uh, if I read correctly, in shopping malls and different yeah, places. Yeah, because
2: what happened was once he got his foothold into one of the high schools there, one girl would tell another girl. And these were girls who came from, uh, you know, most people think of Palm Beach as everybody's wealthy, but there really is, West Palm Beach is a very struggling blue-collar area, and there were girls who lived in vulnerable situations where they were in uh one step away from homelessness, one girl told me, for example, you know, I've been wearing this same pair of shoes for three years and I thought, I'm going to go give them a massage, I'm going to get some money and I'm going to be able to buy
0: a pair of shoes,
2: which is really heartbreaking, actually, yeah. every time I think about that, that.
0: I met a young woman once on the set of the film who had been a prostitute. Mm-hmm. And she said, and every time I had sex with somebody for money, all I kept seeing was the new drapes in my mother's house. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh my God, what a...
2: You know, the other thing is he... Sort of led them to believe that he was going to help them out of their misery. Right. You know, like, you're
0: beautiful, I'll get you. Connect a-. them in some way, yeah, modeling, and he, acting.
2: Yeah, and he had people. He had people, you know, I have people, <laughs> that kind of thing. And he did. But he did know some people. And actually, actually some of them did, a couple of them did become actresses, you know. Right. And uh, so he had some contacts and he led. A lot of them to believe that that I'm going to get you out of this.
0: And, I don't think if any of those actresses won an Oscar, they would thank Jeffrey Epstein in their acceptance. Probably there. not. But, probably uh, the, not. Uh, did other victims come forward who wanted to make charges against Epstein for events that predated Palm Beach?
2: Yes, but the problem is the statute of limitations. So there's there's quite a number of, of girls in that category, and there's really not a lot they can do because. Were his activities that in
0: that regard confined to Palm Beach, or did he no. do it in New York and?
2: Every, I, From the women that I interviewed, he did it everywhere. He had an island in the Caribbean. Uh, He would send uh, one of the girls, or probably more than one, but one that I know of who I interviewed, out to, for example, he had the island, so they would take a ferry or a helicopter from St. Thomas. What she told me was we would go to the nightclubs in St. Thomas, and I would just bring him more girls. And uh, there was Sarah Kellen, who was a a, scheduler.
0: What did she schedule?
2: She scheduled the girl.
0: Did you interview her?
2: No, she hasn't spoken to anybody. And she got immunity under the uh, non-prosecution agreement that he worked out. So she's off the hook. A lot of people are off the hook. We don't
0: even know She got immunity for what she did, which only led to a 13-month jail sentence for him with with work release the whole time. They they, they gave her that for so little. The person you did interview who was a recruiter for him... How did they strike you? What did did they? Was it a man or a woman?
2: Well, you know, remember, a lot of the girls were recruiters for him too, and uh, so they, you know, it's very sad to think about how this changed their lives. Imagine being fourteen years old, and you know, you basically don't have any place to live, and you start doing this, and you're fourteen, and you know, now you're thirty, and you look back on it, and and it's very painful to watch how much they blame themselves. They're very ashamed, and they blame themselves for the other girls that they brought into it, and they just didn't understand the ramifications But a lot of the it.
0: people that you're referring to were very young, whether they were uh, uh, you know, involved in the massage and other related sex activities with Epstein, right. or the recruitment. Were there some grown women and men, particularly women, uh, I'm curious, who were recruiters or were helping to kind of run the operation. Right. Who should have known better.
2: Well, what he did was, though, when the girls got older, 18, 19, 20, he didn't want them anymore. Uh So then they turned into, you know, they stayed with him and started doing it. So we don't really know... Those older uh, women, we don't really know how they they got wrapped up into it. They could have very well been trafficked the same way the younger girls were at a younger age, but he kept them on.
0: Paint a picture, if you will, of who Epstein you think is and, and, and why did he do this? I mean, because apparently, if I'm not mistaken, he had women coming in and out of the house and he was having sex with multiple women a day. Yes. Like three times a yes. day sometimes, correct? Yes. Right. Yes. What did you? What kind of a, of a picture did you get of him?
2: Well, obviously he had some kind of an illness right. to be doing something like that. And uh, I think that the biggest thing that I came across from reading everything and all the research that I did was he really felt that he was above the law. He just seemed to know from the get go that he was going to get away with it. Uh, he pressured, intimidated bullied, hired uh, the best lawyers that his money could buy, and when those lawyers didn't give him what he wanted, he hired more lawyers. Uh, He hired politically connected people. He pressured the girls. He hired private investigators who followed their parents. Uh, He deposed the girls and and got her uh, medical records saying that she had had abortions, called her parents who were Catholic, and asked her Catholic parents. What do So you the think? goal was
0: to attack the victims.
2: Oh yes, and not only just the victims. Actually, the police who had been investigated were followed. The prosecutors were 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 pressured, and I think that's what makes this a story. Really, is every step of the way with the criminal justice system, he powered his way through to basically get away with this crime. Some of the
0: people that you. Uh some of the lawyers involved in this case, there's a you know, Left Court and Dershowitz and uh, and even Ken Starr. I struggle to think that people at that level, I struggle to pe- think that people of that reputation, at least in terms of their uh, skills as attorneys, are just in this for a deep pockets, litigant and and, and fees. I wonder what else potentially were you led to believe there might be something like Starr, for example. I was kind of taking it back because, of course, here's Starr, who made his reputation going after Clinton for sex crimes, right, right. and here he's defending Epstein. But with people like Dershowitz and Left Court and Starr, what, what do you think? Was, what else? What else do you think was behind it, if anything?
2: Uh, you know, it's hard to know. It was a different. First of all, it was a different time. It was b- well before the Me Too movement. Uh, and,
0: and what does that mean, essentially, in terms well, of the case? Well,
2: I'm not excusing any of it, but I right. I think that they sort of
0: thought people well, could still get away with. it. Yeah, yeah, there I think so. wasn't the public so. pressure there is now. Yeah,
2: and here's the big thing about it: uh, they didn't care about the girls. I mean, these were they. They felt these were throwaway girls. These were prostitutes. Uh, they. You know, it, that's the, essentially
0: what, what was uh, uh, was Epstein's defense, correct? Which he said, none of these women that came, they came as prostitutes. They right. were there for a reason. I paid them. If right. you want to get me on a prostitution rap, that's right. one thing. Right. But to say I was involved in sex trafficking, which is what they try to do, he said that's not accurate. Right. He wanted to contend that he that they knew why they were there. They knew they were there to get paid for sex, and that he also, if I'm not mistaken, you could you can highlight this for us, that he tried to explain that he told everybody, don't bring me anybody here who's underage. And he thought all of them were of age. Is that correct?
2: Yes. But I mean, the, the, the women that I interviewed who were involved in it, uh, one of whom, by the way, was involved in it for years said that he made it very clear he didn't want anybody who was older. All he wanted was young girls. And the younger the better. I mean, that's basically what he always told them. The younger the better. But of course you know, this is what they say, and uh, he he, and his lawyers, I'm sure, would say that they're lying and that that was not the case.
0: Describe for everyone um, what happens in the case involved with Acosta in order to arrive at the decisions they arrived at, or the plea agreement right. they arrived at. Well, the
2: state prosecutors in Palm Beach first had the case. The police brought it to them, and within a very short time, all these lawyers that, uh, that uh, Epstein had hired uh, began to uh, pressure the state prosecutor to make the case go away. And essentially, the state prosecutor was ready to make it go away. And and really, he was going to get anything except a misdemeanor. And the police chief, to his credit, uh, said, wait a minute, this isn't going to happen. Because at the time this was happening, more and more girls, every time they entered, keep in mind, since it was a sex pyramid scheme, You would interview one girl and the one girl would say, well, these two girls brought me. And then they go to those two girls and they would say these two girls. So they were getting an avalanche of of girls. And here you have the state prosecutor saying, oh, we're just gonna let him off on a misdemeanor. And the chief to his credit and the lead detective said no. And they went to the FBI. So then it it became a federal case and Alexander Acosta was the uh, US attorney in Miami at the time. And
0: Appointed was, by George W. Bush.
2: Yes, it was a Bush administration. It was Republican administration. Now, uh, Epstein was a very much of a Democrat, and he had supported Clinton and a lot of other uh, Democratic causes. But he, he was smart. It was a Republican administration, so what do you do? You hire a Republican lawyer. So you Star, kind of star uh, you know, left court. And also the other connection was Acosta had worked in the same politically – very uh, important law firm of Kirkland and Ellis, uh, which was the same law firm that uh, Starr worked for and Left Court worked for. And so what they immediately started doing was try to work out some kind of a plea agreement with him, almost from the get-go. Even though the FBI was uh, on a parallel course to charge him with sex trafficking and they were getting more and more information and but so there were two two kind of things happening. One was the FBI was really going uh, full steam ahead with trying to prosecute him, and then you had the prosecutors who were essentially sending emails back and forth saying, "Well, why don't we charge him with this, or can we charge him with that?" And it was this sort of collegial <laughs> thing going on between the prosecutors. So, there was, so they, and they were asking
0: to- defense attorneys almost like. Would you mind if we charge him with this? Yes, yeah, sort of. They really, yeah. they, you, you, I mean, from what I read, I'm not an expert on this. Yeah. I've rarely uh, heard, I've rarely observed such a deference by prosecutors to the subject of a crime. Yeah. I mean, in the and, modern and, world.
2: and what was amazing about the whole thing is if you follow the whole thing, which this took me over a year and a half to do, you, to follow the sequence of events here, is that they would fight down and say, okay, we're going to charge him with this. And then and, and he'd say, okay, we're going to do it. And then he'd look at it and go, no, I want a better deal than that. Then they'd start all over. And they, they manipulated, he manipulated the criminal justice system like I've never seen before because every time they got him, which was a pretty good deal, he would say, well, it's still not good enough. Go back again.
0: What do you think was behind Acosta? What do you think was behind? I mean, because to me, the first thing that I come across is they want to bury this like it's some kind of radioactive waste because there are other people, big people. There's Mm -hmm. big names of people who are clientele of Epstein's uh, massage spa. Mm -hmm. Uh, Are there names of people you've heard who are big names that are buried in those files?
2: Yeah, Yeah, and what we are doing uh, at the Miami Herald and and my company that owns the Herald at McClatchy, I have to give them a lot of credit because uh, we're the only news organization that has really done this. Uh, is we've been systemically going through these cases now and going to the courts. We, we have a case right now here in New York uh, involving Epstein and his madame, so to speak. He had a woman that was helping him, uh, allegedly, uh, with this. Uh, here in New York. Here in New she York. She was a recruiter in New York. Yes, and in Palm Beach. She worked <clears throat> in Palm Beach, too. What was her name? Uh, Gielin Maxwell. Oh, this is Ghislaine Maxwell. Yeah, okay. and uh, this was a lawsuit involving her, and we're trying to unseal the records because we feel that there's more evidence in there. It's a New York case. That's a New York and, case, And who yes. wants to
0: keep those records sealed?
2: Ghislaine Maxwell and Epstein. But, but, yeah. but, but who else? Well, there's is a John... Vance
0: as indifferent to... Is uh, as, as the, as the New York prosecutor's office, the DA's office, as indifferent toward... Uh, letting the light into those files as a cost it was? Well, we'll see. I right. mean,
2: uh, they knew, let's face it, they knew that this was going on.
0: They had... The, they?
2: the U.S. prosecutors <clears throat> here in, in New York. Uh, because he and was doing the Are giving him the
0: same deferential treatment as a Democratic fundraiser?
2: Well, uh, you what's know... What's the difference? Well, it... Uh, I don't know. It's hard to say, but we do know that Vance did make an attempt to lower his sex offender registration to a lower level. and that was know why? A, that was
0: a real joke.
2: Right. I mean, because... Why? Well,
0: he... So he, that he could do what? The lower registration level, giving him a different codification or a different kind of a label, would achieve what? Give him more freedom. do what?
2: Well, he wouldn't have to check in, you to know... go back
0: to Dalton and teach kids math?
2: Well, I don't know about that. I mean, in this day and age, nothing would surprise me. Right. But, uh, you know, there was a lot of, like the Weinstein case, there was a lot of complicity. There was a lot of people that knew what was going on. Right. And I think that they looked the other way.
0: Um, I want to pivot for a minute to your background and your life. You had a tough childhood. Yeah. Yeah. How yeah. How so?
2: Well, I moved out of the house when I was 16, became an emancipated minor. Uh, lived with a bunch of different friends for a while, uh, worked at a lampshade factory and... Uh, you were 16. Delivered flowers. Well, I finished school and then, you know, I didn't have any money to go to college, so I, I worked a bunch of jobs, waitresses, and did a whole Struggled. bunch of things. Struggled until the point that I realized I better do something <laughs> because I don't want to work at Kmart the rest of my life. Was so. that
0: something that 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 you think... Cause you to have great empathy for these girls, that we're
2: yeah, using? yes, absolutely. I it think it became that a little that personal. Yeah, well, person—it's just uh, for the underdog, because uh, I, I haven't really only covered, uh, you know, women who have been abused. I, I did a huge uh, four-year project on the Florida prison system, and I've never been in prison, but I know that. Um, you know, there's a lot of people out there who don't have a voice in our criminal justice system. And they end up in re- very bad places. And our system uh, disposes of these people and then continues to ma- uh, mistreat them. So they never have a chance to to get ahead, even if they do pay their debt t- to society.
0: Uh, what is the law, the Crime Victims' Rights Act? That's the law that was set aside. Right. What happened to this Victims' Rights Law?
2: Well, the Crime Victims' Rights Act grants crime victims certain rights, and one of them is they have the right to confer with prosecutors. Well, the prosecutors weren't telling them what was going on. They weren't even returning their phone calls. What happened was they were telling these girls all along, we're investigating this, we're going to prosecute him, you know, trying to convince them to cooperate, you know, and of course they were all very scared. They felt uh, a couple of them claimed that he had even threatened them or people that that were around him had threatened them. And so they were saying, we're going to go after this guy. And at the same time, they really were uh, working out a deal with him and they weren't telling the girls. And then before that, they even knew it. Uh, he appeared in, in court. He did a Plea agreement, and they saw it on TV, and they said, "What the heck happened?" I mean, I just talked to the prosecutor or, or the FBI agent a week ago, and they were still, you know, working on the case. So uh, they hired a lawyer, and the lawyer uh, said, "What happened?" They they misled these girls and their attorneys into believing they were going after this guy when they really were working out a deal with him. And And left
0: them in the dark. And
2: left them completely in the dark and never told them. And if there's a plea bargain, you have a right to at least know about the plea bargain. Uh, You have a right to appear at the sentencing. They didn't tell any of the girls he's going to be in court you know and they, and found, about it, they fact, found out it,
0: about it on the news in
2: fact at the sentencing hearing the prosecutor essentially lied to the judge the judge asked the pro, the state prosecutor do the to the victims know about this oh yeah the judge they know all about it and they're okay with this yeah everything's okay well they didn't know about it none of the girls knew about it none of their lawyers were told about it uh, so he he got this deal and what is even more egregious not only did they keep it from them at the time that that it happened but then when they the girls a couple of the girls filed a lawsuit saying you violated the crime victims rights act they didn't even turn over the non prosecution agreement so it took them months before they even knew what had happened because the government fought the girls they were going to keep it secret. They did not want to reveal it. And, it,
0: it, and they were hoping they would go away.
2: Yeah, yeah. They, it, and, and keep in mind, this crime victims' rights case has nothing to do with money. A lot of people thinking, oh, these are gold diggers. They're trying to get money. They don't get any money for the fact that they won this case. This was not about money. It was about
0: overturning the plea deal. But uh, two civil litigants settled with him at the end of last year. Yeah. And my question for you is, like people... That were involved, and again, I'm not, I'm not uh, judging them or criticizing them. I'm just wondering what your opinion is. But do these settlements, do they stall justice in the end when you have people taking money if they're the victims of these crimes and they take money? I think Rose McGowan took money from uh, yeah. from uh, Weinstein, but there was no NDA involved, mm-hmm. or she fought that. Uh, does that get in the way of us? having real justice for the victims? Probably,
2: but I feel like because our criminal justice system, unfortunately, in a lot of areas, is so heavily weighted toward people who are powerful and wealthy, it doesn't give them a lot of options, because look what happened with these girls. Uh, They they had no... uh, I mean, they were treated, basically, like they were just I mean, they were 13-, 14-year-old girls. He was charged with uh, solicitation of prostitution of someone under the age of 18. In other words, child pro. There really isn't any such thing as child prostitution. You know, the, back then that was still it's on sex the books in, right. in Florida, but it's no longer on the books right. in Florida. Yeah, it's sex trafficking. But in a lot of these people's mind, you know, Epstein's camp, the people that worked for him... Uh, These girls were prostitutes, and he didn't really do anything wrong.
0: When we return, Julie Brown on other men accused by Epstein's victims, and one of those men, attorney and scholar Alan Dershowitz, has his say in response I also check in with Julie Brown about the events of the past week. That's in a minute from Here's the Thing.
4: Mother's Day is coming, and Mom doesn't want flowers. She wants a cocktail. Here's a hint.
0: And you're listening to Here's the Thing. I spoke this past spring with Julie Brown, the Herald reporter who dug into the plea deal Jeffrey Epstein was given in 2008 by Alex Acosta, now President Trump's labor secretary. And even she has trouble expressing how singular his light sentence really was.
2: Florida has some of the toughest sex offender laws in the country. Uh, They send... These guys, to state prison and Florida state prisons, I can tell you because I covered That's them. That's where their troubles begin. They're they're vicious, well, you know. But he managed to work it out so that he would go to the Palm Beach County Jail. He had his own private little wing.
0: Was Acosta responsible for that as well? Well, Acosta said prosecutors he, have to sign off on that.
2: Well. Acosta claimed he he had no idea that, he, that that was going to happen because what Acosta essentially did was he washed his hands of the case and gave it back to the state prosecutor. And it it didn't just end there. I mean, he had his driver pick him up day. We've well, Explain morning. about the
0: work release thing.
2: Yeah, he got work release. Now, He's sex offenders in, jail, in Florida don't happened? get – Work release. And
0: the work release was what? He was out, what I read was he was out for 12 hours a day.
2: Six days a week. Six days a week. His driver picked him up, took him to his nice waterfront office in West Palm Beach. And, uh, you know, they they did have sheriff's deputies, you know, standing outside the office. But they were outside the office. And on the inside of the office, people were coming and going all day, including women, coming to visit him. I interviewed one of these deputies and... I said, well, did you even pay attention to what he was doing in the office? You know, he had girls in there. And he goes, oh, no, that was not our job.
0: You know? So he could have been continuing his mm-hmm. activities yeah. during the work release from the private jail cell at the Palm Beach. Which he just could have kept it going and going and going. Yeah, yeah. Now, there are people who um, their names were pulled into this. Um, I'm not going to say rightly or wrongly, but... Uh, That is always a really difficult consequence of these kinds of things, for people to be wrongly accused and have their name dirtied up. I mean, as I told you backstage, my name was in Jeffrey Epstein's phone book, along with countless thousands of other people who were celebrities or well-known people. I remember when people online would attack me about that, they'd say to me, you perv, you rapist. I mean, to me, they'd say, right. before my name was mentioned in anything to do with the case, yeah. they'd write these things, and I would think to myself, I mean, I literally sat there going, where the hell did I ever meet Jeffrey Epstein? I, couldn't put it, I thought to myself, in the 90s, was he at some event that was a fundraiser that I knew? And, of course, I have a phone number that we give people that's what we in my office we call the dummy line. And it's a number we've given out to four, maybe five million people over the course of the last 25 years. <laughs> but there are people... Who have had their name pulled into this whole thing? Dershowitz is one. And do you think some of the people whose names have been pulled through this are innocent, or you're not sure? You think Dershowitz's name was on flight uh, uh, manifest flying to his on his plane? Right. So before he became counsel to Epstein, he was a guest of Epstein's at his home.
2: Right, and I think that that's <clears throat> the reason why Dershowitz is, is significant to a lot of people is that the idea is that he was Epstein's friend he stayed at his palm beach house he he vacationed at his palm beach house and then he represented him and he helped fashion a plea deal that essentially not only gave Epstein immunity but gave his co-conspirators both yeah, right. named and right, unnamed right. immunity right. so the implication is that you know and i you know i'm not saying Dershowitz, you know, is guilty or or not. I'm just saying the implication, of the reason why he, the lawyers representing one of the victims brought it out was to demonstrate that if if, you know, it is true that he was involved, he definitely had a conflict of interest. How, how, how do you
0: people know? get immunity as potential co-conspirators? How do they, uh, did, 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 have they continued to get away with that in court? I mean,
2: I, I, that's I've talked to so many lawyers uh, about this and I don't know of anybody that has ever heard of a plea agreement like this before. Right. I, you know, It's unprecedented. N- it is unprecedented that, that anybody Did any of the
0: women come forward and accuse Dershowitz or anyone yes, else? Yes, yes, so two were, women. So two, two women. women said he was a party to what happened. Yes. And nothing's happened with that. that.
2: He no, remains he, protected he, by immunity. Well, no, I, I'm not saying he's part of that because they didn't name him. So and of course, he denies that he had anything to do with it, but uh he has been accused of being involved in this uh he insists by that women, he, yes, by right. two women by victims. and uh he insists that they're liars, and you know he has uh you know says that he has proof that that this isn't true uh but it's been uh. I haven't seen the proof yet. <laughs> you know, I'm still trying to work with him on that, but he's he's come out and attacked me pretty uh, aggressively. Uh, so we'll see what happens. I, I try. You know, I I try to keep an open mind. You know, it, it must be a terrible thing to be wrong, if he's wrongly accused. To be wrongly accused. This is a horrible crime. And you know, I I guess what I could say is I still try to have an open mind, and I want to. I mean the truth is the truth is the truth, you know, and only one person can really be telling the truth in this case. And I don't think anybody really knows because these are he said, she said in a lot of cases. Uh, So nobody, I mean, we might never know.
0: I have a picture of you, though. Were you sitting at a kitchen, I mean, I'm going to be very melodramatic now, but Mm -hmm. um, were you sitting at a kitchen table at the end of some days and just staring at a, you know, a, a cup of tea or something and saying, you know, you just couldn't believe not not that this not just that this happened, but and not that just that it was covered up, but the way that it was covered yeah. up. I and mean, this is so yeah. insidious yeah. how this was done. Yeah. And they gave this guy like uh, like he went to camp for a while, like an extended yeah. a trip to camp.
2: Yeah, and with everything that I uncovered little by little, you know, it's like peeling away an onion. And I get, like, get so tired because it's a lot of dense court documents, right. you know, 10,000 probably records. I mean, just so much, and it's a lot of it is so, it's all legalese, and I'm not a lawyer, and trying to make heads or tails out of it, you know, right. it just gets and so And you tired. brought up a very
0: good point backsta- backstage, which you said, The Herald, like other newspapers, are not wealthy organizations and institutions anymore. So this money meant a lot. They had to spend a lot of dough to do this legwork.
2: Yeah, yeah, they invested a lot of money into this. They believed in me. Was there a Ben
0: Bradley there in your uh, story? Yeah, well,
2: it was uh, Casey Frank, I have to give him. He's my editor who uh, actually even went to bat with me. The police chief did not want to go public. He had never gone public with this before. He had been also, uh, you know, his career was because he went after Hepstein, too. His career uh, uh, was hurt by it. And, and How so? Well, a lot of people went after him, you know, and... Is he still the police chief? No, he, he retired. But he
0: wasn't taken out of office, removed.
2: No, but it became hard for him to be the police chief. And uh, he, he and... Uh, and the detective, Joey Carey, who, who, after I interviewed him, unfortunately, he passed away. Uh, they were really uh, the only two people, other than lawyers, who risked their careers, really, uh, for these girls. And, uh, you know, and as I was mentioning, my he didn't want to talk to me. It took me months to get him to talk to me, because I said I, I, it has to be on the record. You know, because he had, had quite frankly, the reason why he didn't want to talk to me, he said he had talked to a lot of reporters off the record and sort of told them where to go and nothing ever happened. He was convinced that a lot of media had squashed this story and he was really at the point where he was fed up and didn't want to talk to any media anymore. And so I said, we're not going to do it. And he said, no, somebody's going to call your publisher, and the next thing you know, you're going to be assigned to the OBIT department. (laughs) So I said, no, you know, talk to my So Casey called him up and told him. Is
0: that the game show host of the uh, journalism department, the OBIT department? Yeah,
2: exactly. That's about it,
3: yeah.
0: Okay. Um, The... uh, um, like, what, what was the part that really just made you go, oh, my God, it was really, among and many things, that were, I, were the I most disturbing? I think it disturbing. was the
2: fact that the government, now think about, um, you know, we know about the abuse in the Catholic Church, and the Catholic Church protected the priests. And we know about the abuse <clears throat> with the Olympic gymnast, the university had protected this doctor. But this was our government, even after they knew what he had done, biggest thing that drove me was how they continued to fight these girls after they filed this crime victims' rights lawsuit. It was almost like they were Epstein. The government was in
0: Epstein's camp. They were his counsel.
2: Yeah, and they were saying, we're not giving you these documents. We're not going to tell you what we did.
0: Right, like defense attorneys. And
2: that just, I mean, how do you do that? How, in good conscience, do you Mm -hmm. do that?
0: What can we do to help protect young women from this kind of sexual abuse?
2: Well, there's a lot of different things. Um, I think our law enforcement agencies, police officers, prosecutors especially, need to be better trained to handle these kinds of cases. There's a whole different way you handle trauma victims. You can't treat them like just any other victim. They, they're they in a different category because trauma does things to your brain, and it makes it so that uh, you 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 react to things differently. I mean, there's a whole science behind trauma. And so a lot of law enforcement people don't know how to question victims who are, are victims of sexual assault. They expect that they're going to go ask them a question and when they hesitate, you know, or they're not consistent in some of the answers, that they're unreliable witnesses. But I've interviewed uh, FBI experts who have, who have made their careers in this and they said that actually you should expect that their memories are not going to be consistent, and if they are consistent, that's a sign that, that maybe they aren't telling the truth because the consistency is that they suffer from trauma and they won't remember exactly every detail the same way uh, it, because that's the way your brain is. You it, you know I've been through some trauma and there are things in my life that I can't remember. I mean I'll never remember. You know so uh, you know you you have to have. Uh, law enforcement people who are really trained to understand that and there's a whole, like I said, there's a whole science behind it.
0: Um, Do we have any questions from the audience from our guest (laughs) right here? Um, You've got the mic here, right over here. Thank you.
3: I just wanted to ask if you had received any pressure similar
1: to
2: the people involved in the case to not continue the investigation, to not publish the article? Uh, Well, I wouldn't phrase it that way, but let's put it this way. There's a lot of people who have been pretty aggressive with trying to uh, discredit me in in certain ways. Uh, So, you know, I'm pretty tough. There are countless journalists that are killed all over the world for fighting for the truth and for democracy. Uh, There are countless journalists right now being tortured in prisons all over the world. And so anybody that every time I... you know, that question comes up, of course, I. you know, you think about it in the back of your head, but I always think about all the other journalists out there that are just really risking their lives every single day.
0: So on the end here.
2: Um,
4: thank you. Uh, I have two questions. Uh, first is, did you have a chance to interview him? And second question is, what happened to this woman now? What they doing in life? And if you touch with them and interview again...
2: Yeah. Thank you. Uh, I, I tried uh, several times. Uh, I went to his house when I knew he was there, knocked on the door, um, wrote letters to him, certified letters, wrote certified letters to his lawyers, reached out to people that I knew knew him, but no. I I, I just he probably just thought I was this little reporter from the Miami Herald that wasn't, you know, just like any other reporter just doing another rehash of the case. So, I, you know, I don't think he felt that he had to, respond to me, uh, and that's just my guess, uh, I still stay in touch with the girls. And, uh, and uh, I was really touched. They were very young. Some never even told their families that this happened. Uh, one of the girls in that category uh, who shared her story to me was scared to death about how her grandparents would read the story. And after the piece came out, she called me and she said that her grandparents had went to her said that they were really proud of her. You know, so uh, I'm sorry, but that made me really touched mm. because it takes a lot of courage to do that. She 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 was really worried about what they would think of her. You know, a lot of the girls I'm sure feel that way, and uh, and like I said, they feel really ashamed. They put they really punish themselves. A lot of them didn't turn out well. Some of them are dead. Um, they've overdosed. Uh, they, some of them became strippers and, you know, or were victims of, of violence, uh, addicts. The one girl I interviewed, I interviewed her the first time I interviewed her. She was in prison. She was serving a longer term for selling drugs than he served for molesting underage girls. So. That's,
0: that, that, that's uh, amazing. Um, I want to go over to this side, uh, this gentleman in the front here. Um. In the uh, Southern District of New York, there was a lawsuit brought by a Jane Doe against Epstein and Trump. It had previously been brought in California. Uh, it was subsequently discontinued. Uh, do you know why it was, and have you ever dealt with the Jane Doe in that case, and what did you think of her?
2: Nobody knows who that Jane Doe is. Uh, she sort of uh, disappeared, <laughs> After uh, that came out, uh, and, uh, you know, her, at the time, uh, the lawyer Lisa Bloom was representing her and had said that she had been threatened in some way and decided not to go through with it, I I haven't been able to find out who she is uh, or find any evidence at all that, 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 that her story was true, which is why most of the media has not really written about it since, because uh, you know, we can't find any evidence that any of it happened. And it was right at the time of the election. I think it was a couple days before the election. So there's a lot of, yeah, there there's a lot of um, people that suspect it might've been politically motivated. I'm not saying it was, but I've never been able to find out any evidence that it's true. And I have looked into it and I've talked to a lot of people who were affiliated with it and I haven't just been able to confirm it. Uh,
0: and this gentleman way in the corner. First, I have to say bravo for the work that you've done. Thank you.
5: I know as a journalist, you cannot pay sources. And I didn't hear a whole lot about whistleblowers or leakers. If we could incentivize leakers in government, there have to be people there that despise what's going on. And it, wouldn't it be possible if they could find a way to get to you through a neutral source? Is that at all possible?
2: Well, you know, there's these... Uh, I have a pro, proton email. I'm new to all this kind of technology. Like a hotline. Yeah, well, it's an encrypted uh, email. Thank you, somebody... Other people know about this. I have younger people, fortunately, on my staff, on our staff, who have helped me with this kind of new technology. So there's ways for people to get me uh, and not reveal who they are without, you know, having to pay anybody
0: to do that. Uh, That lady way in the back.
3: I want to get back to the safety of journalists. What concerns, if any, do you have about your own personal safety? I want to know what you do, what locks you have, what the security is.
2: <laughs> well, for a long time I had a nice loud dog when I was covering the Florida prison system and there were some people that would show up you know, lurking outside my and the dog would, it was so loud it was my daughter's dog, so now uh, my daughter has her dog back, so I'm thinking maybe I should get another dog, but uh, I you know, I don't really think about it until people ask me, then I get worried. <laughs> You just keep doing your job. Well, we, we live you know? in New York,
0: so we think you're from Florida. Automatically, you carry a gun, don't you?
2: Yeah. Well, I've had, you know, I have a lot of uh, friends who are police officers. In fact, my ex-husband is a police officer, and they've all advised me. Uh, that I should have one, but I just can't bring myself to do it. Like I said, I grew up in Philly, and, you know, you just pay attention to where you're going and what you're doing. And look, if anybody really wants to get you, they're going to get you. you know, I can't
0: argue with really that. we
2: they
3: really want you, We're going to
0: finish. If we didn't, call, we didn't call you, I'm sorry. We're going to finish with you, sir. Go ahead. What do we know specifically about
2: the relationship between Epstein and uh, Clinton?
0: Uh, he
2: was absolutely on Epstein's plane uh, you know, there it's been documented that he's going on his plane. where South Africa. Uh, Epstein donated some money to the Clinton Foundation, and at, at, during this time period, which was I think the early 2000s, uh, you know, they were uh, the AIDS epidemic was spreading in Africa, and there was <coughs> a you know a sort of a fact finding plane trip that Epstein uh, took trip Clinton on. Now he went uh, on his plane more than that, though. We know that there was probably like 20 trips. And uh, you know of course a lot of people suspect that maybe he was involved in some way he's denied that he was involved and the the one girl that we know was very much uh, involved underage girl Virginia Roberts said that she never saw him with any uh, no woman has come forward that's correct that's correct
0: well I was going to say I could talk about sex trafficking all night long (laughs) I think I've had about enough of that subject for now and we're out of time But I, I want to say that, uh, you know Journalists who do the job you're doing Are heroes And I admire you very, very much yeah, please, I admire you tremendously uh, For what you've done uh, Thank you to my guest Julie Brown from the Miami Herald And thank you all for coming Thank you Julie Brown on threats to her safety And that of other journalists Around the world When former Epstein lawyer Alan Dershowitz heard that his name had come up, he wanted the opportunity to respond. Here is our conversation.
5: Uh, Julie Brown denied your listeners the full truth about her reporting. Um, She mentions two women who accused me of having sexual encounters with them. I never met these women. I don't know who they are. They totally came out of the blue. This is the only Me Too case that I'm aware of where there was no prior relationship, where there was no knowledge. Uh, These are just strangers who are falsely accusing me. These are both women who have long records of falsely accusing uh, famous people. The first woman named Roberts, who um, Brown relies on for her reporting, had gotten $160,000 from the Mail in London uh, for an article in which she remembers vividly meeting Al Gore and Tipagore on Jeffrey Epstein's island. They've never been on the island. Uh, Secret Service and other records confirm that. She also remembers meeting Bill Clinton on the island. Secret Service records confirm he was not on the island. Um, her own a lawyer, uh, Robert's own lawyer, admitted to me in a tape-recorded conversation That his client was, quote, wrong, simply wrong, that I couldn't possibly have been in any of the places where she claimed to have sex with me. I produced uh, all my travel records every single day of my life during the two years this woman knew Jeffrey Epstein and proved conclusively that I couldn't have been at the places. That's why uh, the, uh, the head of the FBI, the former head of the FBI, Louis Free, did a complete and thorough investigation and concluded that the stories were made up and that they were false. Uh, The judge struck the allegation, sanctioned the lawyers for filing them. The lawyers then withdrew the allegation, admitting that it was a mistake, and yet your audience didn't hear anything about that. Um, The second woman went to the New York Post and claimed she had sex tapes of Hillary Clinton, of Donald Trump, of Richard Branson, and of Bill Clinton. And, of course, she was lying through her teeth, and the New York Post threw her out. Uh, the reporter's name is Maureen Callahan. She'll confirm all of this. And yet um, they produced her as the second woman after I was threatened that if I didn't withdraw a bar charge against the first lawyer, they would find the second woman because two women are better than one. You know, people say when they smoke there's fire. Sometimes when they smoke there's arson, this is a case of arson. This is a case where two women for profit and they've earned an enormous amount of money um, have falsely accused me framed me and I'm seeking an FBI investigation. I've asked for the FBI to investigate me along with these two women because they filed affidavits and I filed an affidavit. And how is that that
0: going? Is the FBI responding to your request? Well, we're we're waiting to hear,
5: obviously. Uh, I've also asked for any law firm in the country to conduct an independent investigation. I'm willing to show everything to everybody because I did nothing wrong. I've lived an exemplary private life for... Uh, all the years that are relevant to this, these inquiries, and these women just made up these stories. And, and, And Brown wants to win the Pulitzer Prize, but she didn't tell the public that the source she relied on, the major source, Virginia Roberts, is a proven perjurer and a proven liar. I won't rest until Virginia Roberts goes to prison and the other woman goes to prison. False accusations are serious, whether it's the actor in Chicago, Smollett, who falsely accused people, or it's these women. False accusations hurt the Me Too movement. They're very serious. And, and Julie Brown hasn't reported the other side of the story. Sure, she put into the story that I denied it. That's not enough. She owed the readers the obligation to say, I produced all my travel records. There was an FBI report. The judge struck everything that's, uh, that's true. And then nobody would believe these stories. It's pure advocacy. And if a lawyer ever behaved that way, that lawyer would be disbarred for failing to produce uh, relevant evidence that shows that uh, I was innocent when the women are claiming falsely that I'm guilty. So thank you for an opportunity to tell your listeners the whole truth.
0: Well, I mean, I, listen, I have tremendous, uh, in my own life, uh, public life I've had, uh, my share of things that I felt were not reported accurately or not r- really very fair. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I have tremendous empathy for that. I, I only have one question, which is that uh, in the world we live in, of course, th- this is the American way, which is to torpedo people's careers over sexual charges. America is particularly right. obsessed with the sexual. Clinton and so forth, A- everything is in other yeah, they, countries.
5: The difference is they did it.
0: Here we no, have no, no, a totally no 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 but, but, right, but, I didn't do it. No 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 I'm not disputing that. I'm, I'm just leading up to something which is that, that in this country uh, people are often doing this too uh, uh, this uh, as a form of character assassination and to nullify someone's career with these sex charges because in other countries this doesn't play that much. You know? I mean in of course other not, countries of course they not. don't care. In now, other countries these but, women <clears throat> would be put in prison. But, but but what I'm asking you is so you think that these two women that are making these false charges against you it's purely about money? Well, it started
5: with money, uh, driven by their lawyers. The first woman, Roberts, told her best friend, I have it on tape, that she was pressured by her lawyers to name me. She had never previously named me. There are some emails now that are still sealed, but we're waiting to get them unsealed. But they show how the plot unfolded, how they admitted, how she admitted she never had uh, any contact with me at all, but she was told she had to put me in her book because otherwise the book wouldn't sell because I'm famous. And this is a woman with a long history of making false accusations against famous people. She claims to have had underage sex with the prime minister of Israel, with the majority leader of the United States Senate, with the United States ambassador to the United Nations, with the man who invented artificial intelligence, you name it. I mean, it's a pantheon of famous people.
0: Professor Alan Dershowitz. I called Miami Herald reporter Julie Brown to get her take on what's transpired this past week. So tell me, uh, what just happened with the Acosta News Conference?
2: Well, Mr. Acosta's elaborating on uh, explanations that he has given in the past about why he didn't uh, federally prosecute Mr. Epstein. They fall into two categories. One, he is trying to explain the agreement itself and and how they felt that they wouldn't win at trial if they had taken it to trial. And two, the second part of it is he's being uh, grilled about the secrecy part of the agreement where they didn't inform the victims and that part of it which led to the judge ruling the entire agreement was illegal. Um, so to start with the top part, uh, you know, not having the evidence, um, saying that some of the witnesses were reluctant. Um, look, uh, it, you know, he could have continued to investigate this. The uh, FBI wanted to. They were getting new information and new victims every day. You don't need uh, 20 victims. You don't need a whole lot of victims. You just need two or three good victims. So it's pretty disingenuous for him to say, oh, well, there were some victims who didn't want anyone to know that this happened. They were reluctant. He had 36, and it would be hard for me to believe that there weren't a, you know, a couple of those victims who would have been really good witnesses, number one. And number two, the FBI was getting more information. It's inexplicable that he would just cut that investigation short given the breadth of of this crime. Um, And then the second part of this, the secrecy part of it, uh, he said um, that one of the reasons why he didn't tell the victims was because they... uh, They might have been compromised by knowing that there was a restitution provision in the agreement, um, which is ridiculous because they didn't have to tell them about the restitution part. All they had to do was tell them that they had an agreement. By the time he was sentenced, then they wouldn't have been compromised. They could have mentioned something then. So uh, it's a lot to unpack. Um, It's a pretty lampy press conference. It's uh, still going on right now.
0: How did you learn about what happened on Saturday?
2: You know, somebody called me at home uh, and said, you know, Epstein's been arrested. And we had plans to fly uh, to the middle of the country the next day to interview two more victims. Um, It was all set up for weeks, and we had to quickly change our plans and come to New York.
0: You had no idea that something was brewing, that they were going to get him.
2: I had heard rumors that something was brewing, but I also heard that everybody was keeping a pretty tight lid on it because they did not want to give him a chance to flee. Um, They thought that if he had found out that they were going to arrest him, he might
0: flee. The um, uh, I mean, without, you know, emotionalizing this, because this must be this very powerful experience for you personally. How did you feel when you heard about what happened Saturday?
2: I was stunned. I'm I'm still, I think, in shock. I I just I, I thought maybe something would eventually happen, but I didn't think it would happen this fast. Right. So New York must have some good information. They obviously do have some new information. They obviously, I mean, the prosecutor made it clear that he felt that uh, Acosta and the prosecutors in Florida had uh, dropped the ball pretty badly. So um, we'll have to see where it shakes out.
0: Have you spoken to any of the victims since the story broke?
2: Yes. uh, Quite a few of them called me. Um, They're elated. um, They're emotional. they're, They're ecstatic. They're very happy.
0: Now, what is there at this point that you want to know now?
2: Well, I'd like to know um, what prosecutors in his office. How you know? There's some question about whether his prosecutors underneath him acted properly. Acosta, I got to go back to the set. Um, uh, they're calling me back.
0: Okay, thank you very much. Thank you.
2: All right, thanks.
0: Julie had to get off of our phone call very quickly. To get back to the Acosta press conference. I'm Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Here's the Thing.
4: More info now.